Thanks, Jacoby. I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad that you guys are here tonight. Hey, I get it. I don't know about you. My life is busy. A lot of different opportunities and demands on my time, so I'm glad you decided to make space tonight, even though the Jonas Brothers are playing tonight, a select few of you who God really loves and favors have decided to be here tonight. I'm just kidding. Jesus loves the Jonas Brothers, and I got nothing against them. I just don't know any of their songs. I honestly believe that when we gather together as God's children and God's people, we sing his songs, we pray, we read his word, that God of the universe will meet us in an honest and authentic way through Jesus Christ. I believe the Holy Spirit will unify us and speak to us individually as well as collectively, and I'm glad he's going to do that tonight, and I hope you're expecting that. Like Jacoby reminded us, we're in a series called Namesake. Why? Because we want to drill down into identity and purpose, relationship and responsibility. You want two biblical words, covenant and kingdom. It's the two themes throughout the entire Bible, and it's the two themes that are going to determine whether or not we will follow Jesus to the end of our days. So we're going to continue to drill down and make sure that our identity is absolutely secure in Jesus and that our purpose is absolutely being pursued in his name with his power and his authority. Because every single person... In this room, and I would say on planet Earth, are asking these questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what purpose am I on planet Earth for? And those are good questions because part of the image of God that's been implanted in every human soul is to ask those questions and find those answers and significance in Jesus Christ. But they're tough questions, aren't they? And I don't know about you, but even as a believer, sometimes I'm struggling with those things. Even if I know who I am, I'm looking at where who God's calling me to be, and I'm not sure how I'm going to get over that distance. Um, again, a lot of times I think we're asking, who am I? I'm not really sure if I fit. I've just moved here. I've moved again. I'm not really sure who my people are. And then I've got purpose and passion, but I don't have any opportunities to do my passion. And the opportunities I do have right now don't look like anything I thought God was calling me to do. How do I stay faithful in the midst of all of that? And then the only thing worse, this is what my coach Terry likes to say to me, the only thing worse than not knowing what God is up to is knowing what God is up to. Because then you're responsible. And then you have that oh no moment of, huh, it sure sounded great when we were talking about it in theory, but actually when it's time for me to risk and to go out in authority and power, I'm not sure I have what it takes. I really am not sure God made the right decision when he chose me. Here am I, send my brother. Right, one of those things. Hey, there's, there's plenty of people more authorized, qualified, and equipped than me. Why would you want to do that for me? And I think maybe the disciples are feeling a little bit of that in the text tonight. Because it's a beautiful text. It's Jesus in Luke chapter 9, right? He's got the disciples. I, I'm not exactly sure how long they've been with him. Let's call it six months. They're half prepared and fully scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at them and says, all right, I'm going to send you out with power and authority. It's time to preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cast out demons, and you're going to take nothing, no one, no backup, no backpacks, get going, love you guys, see you soon. They're like, uh, wait, what? Come on, Jesus. As men and women, I say this to you. It's one thing for us to believe that Jesus can do it. It is another thing entirely when Jesus looks at you and believes that you can do it. 
It's one thing for Jesus to save us. That's another thing entirely when he decides to send us out. It's one thing for us to respond to the invitation to relationship that Jesus is offering each one of us. It's another thing when he locks eyes with you and challenges you with kingdom responsibility and said, there's works that my father prepared in advance for you to do. Now go walk in them. But I need some guarantees. I need some assurances of victory. No, they're not offering that. Not safety or security is promised to you. Only significance and sacrifice. And I guarantee suffering will be part of the journey. So are we clear about what this thing called Christianity is? It is a heroic adventure with the spirit of God to discover your God-given identity and God-given purpose to make eternal consequential relationships and decisions with your life rather than piddling them away on things that don't matter. Because I don't know about you, aren't you just bored enough and sick enough and entertained enough and stop numbing the pain that you realize you were created for more and God has more in store for you to do? I don't know about you, I want to step into that power and authority. I want as much of it as it doesn't kill me or overwhelm me or I self-sabotage with it. How do I leverage my life for the sake of Christ, for the sake of of others. How does what you do in the relatively short amount of years that you draw breath in your lungs ring forever in eternity through the works of Jesus Christ? That's not the same. We don't have mundane or ordinary things to do. I don't know about you, but much of my life feels that way. And I have a feeling you feel the same thing as the disciples. When God calls you and commissions you, what immediately rises up is fear, inadequacy, and doubt. Oh, I'm not really sure I have what it takes. Just so we're clear, I feel that every Tuesday and every other day that ends in why. When God continues to call us, because the journey deeper into trust is the journey deeper into fear. And the way that he's going to heal a lot of your wounds from the past is by exposing them. I don't know about you. I want more power and authority in my life. And I think in this text we'll find some clues here. Um, one, one way that it's helpful for me to think about this is, again, it's one thing when you believe Jesus can do it. It's another thing when Jesus believes you can do it and you have that oh no moment. Um, my brother, uh, Chad, two and a half years older than me, would say the same thing when he joined the military. It's one thing to join the military. It's another thing to be deployed into a combat zone. Amen, Matt Purdom? Two totally separate things. 1989, my brother graduates from high school, 17 years old, gets sworn in into the Army, third-generation military family. All right, way to embrace the family identity, Chad. I'll be over here hiding because I'm a pacifist. So he <laughs> signs in with the mullet and everything. I do. Loses the civvies, gets a sweet haircut, corrects his posture, and he goes into basic training. I think, what, is it eight weeks? Is that right? Does that sound right? I don't remember. It's details, people. <laughs> Turns 18 there. Goes over to Germany. He's enjoying international experience. We haven't been in a war for 15 years. A couple conflicts here and there, but not since my dad was in the Vietnam War. It seemed like a great idea. Get some discipline, get some job skills and training. You get out, you got the GI Bill. You can have some money towards your future education if you want it. Maybe help in purchasing your own home. Yeah, sounds great, Uncle Sam. Let's do it. And then all of a sudden, Operation Desert Storm breaks out. And my brother finds himself on a plane as a Cav Scout in the infantry to Iraq. And I would tell you that every other soldier in there says it's one thing to join the military. It's another thing to be deployed in a combat zone. 
And I imagine most of them were thinking, let's go back to basic training. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, was it? We had safety and security. We knew where our mirrors were coming from. Man, it's a, it's a lot easier to train and talk about fighting the enemy than rather than fighting the enemy. Hey, church, a lot of us just want to hang out in basic training, don't we? It's a lot easier to go to church services and sit in Bible studies and talk about making disciples and get trained to make disciples rather than going into enemy territory to actually make disciples. What did it look like if we decided that Jesus not only calls us, but he commissions us. And when we step into that commissioning, there is authority and power beyond our own resources ready and waiting for us when we engage the enemy. And chances are a lot of us will never experience it because we won't take the first step of faith. I know as well as you do, it, fear rises up, doubt and excuses the second we are called to move our faith into action, our belief into behavior, the message of Jesus into the mission of Jesus. But when you get identity and purpose, you will find someone living a life that is in a sign and wonder to everyone around them. How do they understand in the midst of sacrifice and suffering and chaos and grief and despair that who they are is absolutely firm and foundational? Well, I think in our text here, I think there's three things. I think Jesus is subvertly giving us a plan about how we move from not just being called by Jesus, but being sent by Jesus. And if you'll permit me, they'll all start with the same letter because I need help remembering them, okay? Release, receive, and respond. First thing a lot of us need to do is we got to release what we're holding on to. The disciples had to do this. He sends them out and says, oh, by the way, release all that stuff you're holding on to. No bags, no backpack, no money. Nope, just what you got right here and right now. They're like, wait, we need more training. Can we do another discipleship and evangelism class for eight weeks, Jesus? Okay. I've watched you do it, but I'm not sure I could do it. Release that fear. Release it. There's no room for your backup plan, by the way, in the kingdom of God. If you want power and authority, let it go. Because he's calling you to make room for his power and authority, and his power and authority doesn't make space for anything else. So he says, release. Release your fears. This is my question, Kairos. What fear, failure, or frustration do you need to release tonight so that you can embrace the authority and power that Christ wants to give you? You're white-knuckling it. You're so scared if I let go of this that I don't know who I am. This one's going to hurt a little bit too because it's often been the case with me. What dreams and hopes do you need to release that you are putting security and significance in? That if I can just do this, then I'll find identity and purpose here on earth. And the Lord's going to say, nope. I know that was a dream and desire for you for a while. But that's not your greatest contribution. I need you to release that. And if you'll release it, you will receive authority and power and a dream bigger than you can possibly hope, think, dream, or imagine. I have a role for you to play son and daughter. And a lot of times, it doesn't look the way you think it looks. They got to release their own notions of power and authority. When I hear power and authority, I got a much different image in mind than God does, right? Authority's big and bad. Power dominates. I put you in a submission hold. You're out. I walk in. I own you. I beat you. I dominate you, right? That's not at all what power and authority in the kingdom of God looks like. Authority for every single one in the kingdom of God is equivalent with humility. 
see the story of Joseph. Proud older brother's got visions and dreams and all this stuff, and God has blessed him in a way, but he's cocky and he's arrogant. What does he do? Two rounds in jail. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. He's humbling, humbling, continuing to reaffirm his dependence upon God. And once he's humbled, he gives him authority and elevates him to a position of power as one of the rulers of all of Egypt. And what happens when finally his brothers show up in front of him and he's in the position of power? Now he's going to give them what they had. No, he forgives them. Power in the kingdom of God is best expressed in forgiveness. Authority in the kingdom of God is best expressed in humility. It's going to come different than you think it's going to come. And before God uses a man or woman greatly, he usually wounds them greatly. Because he wants to make sure you're not trusting your own power and authority in his kingdom. Because that's where it gets sideways real quick. And you get hurt and everyone around you gets hurt. Do we need any more examples of that? No. So we release and then we receive his power and authority. This is getting fun. Are you guys okay? Um, So by way of reminder, this is what we did last week. This is the identity triangle. Can you see that? Yes or no? Thank you. Father, identity, obedience. I have to write big, but I never plan correctly. I wish I was like part of my just writing Hebrew and you wouldn't know if I was misspelling things. <laughs> Father speaks identity into us. Out of that identity comes obedience, not the other way around. Hey, if I do Christian things, then I'm a Christian, then I can have access to the Father. Wrong. This is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Boom, he goes out into the desert for testing and tempting. Gideon, mighty warrior of God. Wait, what? That's not true. Now go be obedient. Awesome. We're clear on that. See last week if you need a reminder. This, by the way, is all about relationship. Again, if you want a biblical word, covenant. Now this one, I got to be honest with you, I'm still working through. It's, it's reading my mail where I'm at in life right now. So you guys can help me work through it. Um, it scares me a little bit. But God, who is also our father, is also our king, is he not? And a king has a what? A kingdom. And that comes with authority and power. King Jesus brings his disciple in and says, I've given you all authority. Now go out in power to make disciples that make disciples. This is about responsibility. Or if you want a biblical word, this is the kingdom of God. Not only can we be a part of the family of God, we are called to participate in the family of God. This is my sweet spot past 20 years of my relationship with Jesus. He has drilled this into me again and again. Relationship and intimacy with the Father is something I excel at, I enjoy, and I love challenging other ministers who aren't as good at it as that I am. 
I love sitting in a room and going, you know how to work for the king, but do you know how to be alone with the father? I do. <laughs> and here's what the Lord revealed to me this last week. I'm scared to death of power. That I've spent most of my life avoiding responsibility because I hate rejection and I hate failure. And if I can play the underdog and the outcast, then I don't have that much responsibility to bring reform or change. But what happens when the king summons you and he says, oh, authority's been given to me and now I've given it to you. You step out and you will find power. You will find power. And that power means more sacrifice and suffering. And the question is, are you ready and willing? Because authority and power in my kingdom look a lot different than the kingdom of earth. And I know you've been wanting this your whole life, but that's not what I'm after. So are we ready to release, to receive power and authority and then to respond? Jesus is prepping his disciples for how to respond. He just says, hey, look, you're going to go into some places and they're going to reject you. Just dust off your feet. Let it be a testimony against them. Shake it off. Shake it off. I think there's a song like that. You can find it. It's awesome. (laughs) Move on. Why? What is he saying? Men and women, even if you respond to God, it does not mean that everyone will respond to you. And don't let that attack your identity or your authority. Your identity is not in how people respond to you. Your identity is in Jesus Christ, who you are responding to. Your authority comes from him and the power is available for you when you get out and engage and nine times out of 10, you won't see direct results from it. You'll get a phone call five years down the road in a moment when you felt weak and powerless and stupid and like a failure and someone says, you'll never know what happened to me in that moment. Oh, can we have more soldiers for Christ who are ready to engage in the enemy in the battlefield? And as I put these things up, I don't know about you, I'm scared to step into some of this stuff, so that's why I have community around me, okay? By the way, you'll never get to clarity alone, and you never get to courage without community. I've got to have men calling this out in me, in my marriage, in my family, and in my church. Hey, mighty warrior, step up, get out of that cave. God's got a calling on your life. Don't you shrink back and be destroyed. We're not those who shrink back and destroyed. We're those who believe and are saved. So that's a big reason why you got to have community because the authority and power rest when the people of God come together. And I need them leveraging that for me and speaking identity into my life. But why would, why would Jesus send us out in authority and power knowing that it's not always going to be a success? Why would he do it knowing that that would violate our safety? Because most of the disciples are going to wind up getting killed just like him, right? Does Jesus just enjoy watching us fail? Even when he sent them out in in power, they had two responses. Some of them came back and go, oh my gosh, Jesus, it's awesome. Even the demons believe in us and submit to your name. He says, hey, don't brag about that. Brag about the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. What is he doing? Hey, that's great. You have authority. Stay humble. Other ones come back and go, Jesus, we couldn't get this demon out. And he's like, oh, this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. Sent them out to fail so they understood that there was new power that they needed to receive. So those are some of the best lessons in life, aren't they? <laughs> Oops, wasn't ready for that. Jesus embraces failure as a way to disciple and train. So you should too. Let's stop being so afraid of it. 
Just go, hot dog, got rid of that one quick. Awesome. What's the next lesson slash failure? I don't even know where I'm going anymore. Yeah, I do. I'm going straight to the cross. Jesus asked us to do this because he always goes before us and he makes a way. He never asked us to do anything that he didn't do himself. Release, receive, respond. Jesus released the safety and security of heaven and got sent on a mission to planet earth. He received the father's power and authority to be the promised one. And he responded even in the face of rejection and ridicule. He was crucified, dead and buried. And I would submit to you in the face and the height of his suffering and his sacrifice and his ridicule and his rejection, you will see the greatest demonstration of his power and authority in any human being from a cross, being tortured and killed, ridiculed and mocked and beaten by the people who want to see him dead. What does he say over them? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's power in the kingdom of God for you to be able to stand in the midst of suffering and sacrifice and continue to offer humility and forgiveness. That'll change the world and it'll change eternity for many people. The question is, are we willing to do this? Now, you don't have to. It's not, I mean, that sounds great, but Chris, keep your triangles for your kids at home, your little geometry playset. You don't have to. You don't have to step into any of this responsibility. You can be the person who just wants the rights and no responsibility. You can be the kind of person who goes, you know what? I like to hide out in basic training. I like all the benefits of the military. I just don't want to be deployed into a combat zone. You can do that. And you can drift through life and you can hang on white knuckled to the things that you think bring you safety and significance. They're called idols. And never release them and discover the power and authority that which Jesus intended for you to walk into. And you may even look different. You may even act different. But your life will never make a difference. Because you spent your whole life believing a message that was true for everyone else but you. Or you could step up. Step in and step out. Into the life and into the power and into the authority that God's calling you to. You can be ready to release your pride, receive his power, and respond to his promises as if they were actually true. You can decide, I don't want to just be a part of the family of God. I want to participate in the family of God. You can decide, you know what? It is my bloodline and my birthright to be a part not only of the call of Jesus, but the commission of Jesus so that I can discover power waiting for me on the opposite sides of enemy lines when I go to make disciples that make disciples. I don't know about you. I want to be a part of a congregation that does just that. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds and think about that. I think those are the three areas that the Lord wants us to land on. I just ask you three simple questions. As you write down, journal, and practice listening prayer. What's the one thing you need to release tonight to make room for God's authority and power in your life? What do you need to release? What do you need to receive? What has God offered you through his word, through his community, and through his kingdom that you need to open the hand and say, Father, I receive that power and that authority.
And then how do you need to respond? Some of you are in the season of rejection and ridicule. Do you need to respond differently? Some of you may be in a season of success and you've started to trust on your own power and authority. Do you need to respond differently? Some of you are tired of waiting and you're losing hope and faith that it'll ever be different. Is there a place or a posture that you could respond differently? So let's listen together to the voice of the Lord, Kairos. What is it I need to release? What is it I need to receive? And how do I need to respond? Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening.